Hello and welcome to EWTN Pro-Life Weekly. I'm your host, Prudence Robertson. What is maternal health? You've heard the term before, but what does it mean to meet the needs of mothers? In this special episode, we explain what moms need, the current gaps in care, and how the church can help to fill them. We bring you a special one-on-one interview with Erica Bakiaki of the Ethics and Public Policy Center. Family leave policies. Do companies in the U.S. and organizations within the church have the resources that new families need? We're joined by researchers from Femme Catholic who've published an extensive report on the state of maternity leave. Setting the standard. Ascension Press has adopted a new paid family leave policy and is encouraging other organizations to follow their lead. Ascension CEO Jonathan Strait joins us with the details. In the United States, there are no federal policies that guarantee maternity leave for new mothers. The amount of time and pay women are allotted as new moms varies by state and organization. Are Catholic workplaces leading the way in providing maternity leave, or are they falling behind? Last year, researchers at Femme Catholic published an extensive report on maternity leave policies in all 176 dioceses in the country. Only 31 dioceses confirmed they offer fully paid family leave, and most of them offer less than 12 weeks time off. Following their report, Femme Catholic started a petition to U.S. bishops calling for improvements to family leave policies. And we're joined now by Samantha Pavlock, CEO and founder of Femme Catholic, and Renee Roden, a journalist who worked on this report. Samantha, Renee, thank you for joining me. Samantha, I'd like to start with you. If you could just explain what prompted this project, what was the impetus, and how long have you all been doing research on maternity leave within the church? Sure. So uh, Femme Catholic has been around since 2016. We started as a project of the Given Forum put on by the Council of Major Women Superior Religious in Washington, D.C. Um, and the, But our reporting really started after we had won a grant from the OSV Innovation Challenge. And Renee had um, spoken with me about doing some investigative work and this was a topic that kept coming up in our conversations internally. So we wanted to learn more. Mm. And Renee, talk to me about what you found in your research. I'm interested to know what surprised you when you heard back from diocese and, and when you spoke to women about their experiences working in the church. Yeah. Um, thanks, Prudence. So I think I wish I were surprised that the number of dioceses that offered a full 12 weeks of paid leave was so low. It was only four at the time when we did this report. And this report was done in March 2022, so almost a year and a half ago now. Um, And since then, one diocese, the Denver Diocese, has updated to 60 days, equivalent to 12 weeks of fully paid leave for uh, mothers in their diocese. Um, So since then, there has been one more uh, diocese in this report that has added. So now it's five that have a full 12 weeks of paid maternity leave that we were aware of. Um, and we've been doing some light updating. And I know after our report, I guess two things were surprising. One is, you know, it is it should be surprising that Catholic dioceses are offering 
Um, so a few of them are offering women the 12 weeks of fully paid leave. Um, I think another thing that's surprising is one in four women go back to work two weeks after giving birth. Um, and mm. something we've talked about as a team and something we talk about in the report is just the, the medical realities of childbirth and that that 12 weeks after birth that's starting to become called the fourth trimester, which is a phrase doctors, OBGYNs are using to indicate that, you know, you don't just have a child and the child can survive on its own, right? You right. have to be involved in that nurturing and caring. And that's such an important time for mothers and children. Yeah, this is all so fascinating. And Renee, as we've said before, the number of dioceses that did not confirm a paid leave policy was very startling. What obstacles are keeping parishes and dioceses from implementing better policies at this point? That's a, that's a hard question. <laughs> and I can't speak for every diocese. You know, I think some of the folks we talked to, they were concerned about cost, right? Unfortunately, even though women are federally mandated, they're owed, fam mothers and fathers, right? are owed 12 weeks off after the birth of a child. There's no pay guaranteed. And since, you know, any studies show that 55% to 69% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. Mm -hmm. So it's just mm -hmm. unrealistic for them to take that 12 weeks off without pay. And yeah, so it puts a burden on the company, right? And companies' uh, dioceses feel like they may not be able to afford that. But one of the things right. we found was that the four dioceses that offered um, 12 weeks, they weren't actually all the richest or the biggest dioceses, right? It was Chicago and New York, which are big, wealthy dioceses, but also the Diocese of Raleigh and the Archdiocese of Omaha, which aren't necessarily, uh, they definitely don't have um, as big of assets as these other two di archdioceses. So I think it showed us that, you know, obviously we understand when people say that they think finances um, are a barrier to doing that, but it showed us that that uh, finances aren't prohibitive, right, of mm. companies mm. or dioceses being able to offer these policies. Interesting. Interesting. And Samantha, I want to turn to you because you're a mother. Um, can you speak to your experience as a mom and why paid maternity leave is so vital for families? Sure. So uh, I started my career in consulting in Chicago, and I was so blessed to have to work for a company that gave me almost six months paid, mm -hmm. um, which in the United States is almost unheard of, even though around the world, it's much more common. And there is such a biological transition that happens in the way that God made our bodies, you know, after giving birth to a new baby and, and mom and baby, there's so much um, togetherness, I think that is that you're, you're meant for. Uh, to nurse that new baby and you're getting up every hour, every two hours for months at a time. Um, there's hormonal changes, you know, there's family and emotional changes and new routines. And um, I've had four children now and every time it's the, you know, it's the same thing. So um, those early days are just so vital in building mom and baby's connection. And I think it really is the way we're designed as, as people. So yeah. um, giving families that time is really important. Yeah, absolutely. And and I'm curious, uh, Renee, about the response of the bishops to the research that you all have been doing at Femme Catholic. And I think you could both probably speak to this, the work that's being done at Femme Catholic to 
raised the profile of women in the church. What's the response been like from our shepherds? Yeah, I I can't wait to hear what Sam has to say about this. But on just for this limited sort of project, I, um, you know, I think we've seen that dioceses are making changes. Uh, the Diocese of Tucson, the Diocese of Orange in California, and then Arlington, the Diocese of Arlington recently announced an eight-week paid maternity leave policy. Wow. And I had the pleasure of talking to Bishop Bill Bill Walk in the Diocese of Pensacola, Tallahassee, uh, just a few weeks after we published our report. And they they really, uh, you know, they're a small diocese and, you know, they were talking about what they could do and they updated their policy from one week of paid leave to three weeks. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's mm-hmm. not, um, you know, the American Academy of pediatricians, OBGYNs all say, all recommend 12 weeks off, but you know, they're doing what they can and it's a step in the right direction. And I think all those little baby steps in the right direction are really encouraging to see. Of course. Absolutely. Samantha, anything to add? Yeah, I think that, um, bishops, I've been really encouraged to see the conversations be started. And I think I would encourage bishops to lean on the business people in their diocese as well. You know, we're all one church and we have many gifts and these are complicated business questions. Right. Um, but in the same way that Pope Paul VI called on doctors to help advance NFP and uh, women's health science, I want to call on business people and, and leaders in our church um, to help advance these types of business policies for women. Well, Samantha and Renee, thank you so much for joining us and for the important research that you're doing on this. I really think it's going to be impactful. Um, God bless you both. Ascension recently implemented new policies to bolster benefits, not just for moms, but for families as a whole. Ascension, the media company responsible for the popular Bible in a Year and Catechism in a Year podcasts, recently unveiled their pro-life parental leave policy update, which expands new moms' fully paid maternity leave from one week to 12 weeks. It also includes more extensive paternity leave, as well as extended leave time for new parents who adopt and even those who suffer from a miscarriage. Jonathan Strait, the CEO of Ascension, joins me now with more details. Jonathan, thanks so much for being here. Walk us through some of the highlights of this new policy. Well, thanks for having me on. So as you mentioned, uh, we used to offer one week uh, for maternity for new mothers. Uh, We've extended that one out to 12 weeks. Uh, For fathers, we offer them six weeks. And for adoptions and pregnancy loss, uh, we also offer six weeks fully paid. Mm, Very exciting and very needed, I think. What kind of response have you heard from your female employees on this new policy? Uh, The response has been amazing. Uh, You know, they're very excited about it. Uh, Before we implemented the policies, uh, we surveyed the staff, uh, and they were the ones telling us that this could be a lot better. Mm. Um, This is not usually talked about uh, as much, so it's something that Uh, different organizations are starting to raise awareness about. And as we did our own research into looking into these policies, we found that the U.S. is one of the few developed nations that requires uh, at least 12 weeks paid time off for maternity. And probably the most startling statistic that we found uh, was almost one in four working mothers returned to work within 10 days of giving birth. I can't even imagine that. Being a woman myself, I'm not a a mom yet, but when that time comes, crazy. Um, And you're hopeful that other organizations will adopt policies similar to this one. 
Do you sense an openness to do so from other companies like yours? Yeah, we're seeing that. Um, since the U.S. doesn't require it, uh, it's left to companies to, to do their own thing. Mm. And what many companies have done is to default to short-term disability, which is, is something like maybe six weeks paid at maybe 60% of your salary. Mm. Uh, but what we found from our own staff is that sometimes you don't actually qualify for short-term leave. So you, you the pressure is on to get back and for companies to say, well, you know, if that's not going to work uh, and that's where this has gone, uh, you know, over the past couple of years, uh, then we need to do something ourselves. Yeah, it's interesting that pregnancy could be lumped in with disability as well, something to think about. Um, why is it important for Catholics to be setting the bar on this, Jonathan, as part of the larger American culture, in your view? I think, I think we have an opportunity to lead the way here, um, just knowing that this is the kind of policies that do help build a culture of life to really send the message that uh, you can be a working parent and you can raise a family and the work should be able to support the family. And that's something that we should celebrate. Uh, trying to have people come back to work as fast as possible uh, because they, they need to continue to pay for their expenses, especially with uh, a new a new baby at home. That's usually when you, you, need, the, you need the money right there. Yeah. Um, you know, to be able to show that, hey, this is something that really can be done. We can take matters into our own hands. Um, uh, we can go above and beyond what the law requires. And the employees, they're going to love it. Uh, they're going to be so thankful for it. Yeah, very encouraging for sure. And will this decision have a significant financial impact on your apostolate? Are, are you concerned about that at all? So that's usually what many CEOs will say is the first factor. And uh, it is, it's, it's a serious consideration because going from something like one week paid to 12 weeks paid, uh, that's a lot. Um, we found two ways to help mitigate that. The first one is that the average company in our industry, publishing, uh, has a turnover rate of, it's over 30%, it's like 37%, something like that. Mm. Um, our own turnover rate is less than 4%, all right? So we're able to retain so many employees because not just of this policy, but all the other ones that we're trying to put into place. And so for many companies, you know, they're used to that industry average and they have to spend a lot of money uh, replacing employees every year. Mm. So you can absolutely repurpose that uh, for employee benefits and you're going to see a return. The second one is that the uh, uh, there was an act passed a few years ago, uh, the, the uh, Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, uh, that gives a partial tax credit when employers are paying for this. Um, and that Act has been extended. Uh, Congress extended that act, I think, until 2026, something like that. So the government is trying to encourage employers to do this with, without making it a requirement. Um, but those two things together, I would encourage you know any other organization to take a look at those policies and see if you can find the money in those areas. Mm. Thank you for explaining that and laying that out. And you guys have sort of designed a template where people can adopt this same policy that you guys have implemented. Where can people learn more about how to adopt that template and and really kind of make this their own policy? Yeah, so there's a lot that goes into these kind of policies. As you mentioned at the beginning, you know, we have uh, the maternity leave, paternity leave, as well as a, uh, adoption and pregnancy loss. Yes. Uh, and going through that, we didn't see a lot of great templates out there. 
So we wanted to make ours available. You can go to ascensionpress.com slash family leave, and you'll see all of our policies that we put in there with all of the specifics. Uh, and hopefully that helps some other organizations to adopt these a little bit quicker. Mm, perfect. Well, Jonathan Strait of Ascension, thank you so much for joining us and for implementing this pro-life policy. It's exciting to hear about. God bless you. Yeah. Thank you. To give some perspective, here's some statistics on U.S. maternal health. Recent studies show our maternal mortality rate is reaching dangerous highs. The number of moms dying from pregnancy-related causes has more than doubled in the past 20 years. Black women who are mothers consistently face the highest fatality rate in America. As of last year, black women also made up a whopping 40% of women who had abortions nationwide. In the year 2021, the CDC reported that the U.S. had approximately 33 maternal deaths per 100,000 live births, one of the highest rates in the world. In comparison, Japan, Australia, Spain, and other high-income countries reported just two to three deaths per 100,000 live births in 2020. In other news, Amazon, the country's second largest employer, just became the latest major company to team up with Maven Clinic to provide, quote, reproductive health care, including abortions. The online shopping giant now provides access to pro-abortion endocrinologists, OBGYNs, nutritionists, and mental health providers for hundreds of thousands of employees in more than 50 countries. While Amazon currently provides 20 weeks of paid leave for employees who give birth, the company also announced last year that it would pay up to $4,000 in travel expenses for abortions. And another interesting piece of the puzzle when it comes to maternal health, the definition of what constitutes a woman. The CDC faced major backlash from doctors after releasing new guidelines supporting men who think they are women and want to breastfeed or chest feed. Two physicians in the Senate, Roger Marshall of Kansas and Bill Cassidy of Louisiana, sent a letter to the CDC detailing their concerns. They said the push for chest feeding seems to be, quote, driven by political considerations rather than science, and that unapproved drugs that the CDC is recommending to induce lactation in men are dangerous. Coming up, the Biden administration is hiding the fact that for them, maternal health equals abortion. I speak out. Plus, a special interview with scholar Erica Bakiaki on how caring for moms goes beyond legislation and tax credits. You're watching EWTN Pro-Life Weekly. I'm Prudence Robertson. Welcome back to the show. As we focus on maternal health, for this week's Speak Out, let's take a look at what the Biden-Harris administration says maternal health looks like. Spoiler alert, it's abortion. This week, President Biden's Department of Health and Human Services launched a MOMS tour. MOMS stands for Maternal Outcomes Matter Showers. The idea is to showcase the ways that HHS is currently working to improve maternal mortality in the U.S., given that statistics report more mothers die in this country than in any other developed nations throughout the world. But all the messaging and fanfare surrounding the MOMS tour is conveniently silent on one thing, abortion. If we take a step back and re-examine what abortion activists and the Biden administration have said on abortion, their basic take is, if abortion is banned, women will die. 
But that statement isn't based on facts. The facts are this. Abortion is very dangerous. It often leads to serious complications for mothers, and the aftermath of abortion can include serious physical and mental illnesses, like anxiety, depression, and higher likelihood of miscarrying future children. In a statement mourning the overturn of Roe earlier this year, the Biden team said the quiet part out loud by connecting their work to expand abortion to their efforts to improve maternal health. The statement read that they are, quote, working to expand broadband access to areas with poor maternal health outcomes. HHS wants to continue ending the lives of children under the guise of saving the lives of their moms. Let's hope and pray that the American people can see through it. And to close out our program, a special interview on life issues after the overturn of Roe. EWTN News President and host of EWTN News In-Depth, Monse Alvarado, recently sat down with the Ethic and Public Policy Center's Erica Bakiaki. They discussed building a bridge to communicate with abortion advocates, controversial ballot initiatives that could affect pro-life laws, and how caring for moms and babies is not just an issue of welfare, but an issue of justice. Erica, we love your work and are so excited to have you here on the show. And we're doing this special interview for Pro-Life Weekly. So thank you so much for joining us to talk about the essence of life issues. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. So we're a year even more beyond the overturning of Roe versus Wade, which is just a catalyst for having this conversation about what it means to be pro-life. Mm. What are you seeing that is giving you hope coming out of these discussions? Well, there's lots of good legislation happening at the state level, which of course is good. Um, of course, along with that is a lot of uh, challenges at the state level in terms of legality and, and constitutionality at the, uh, from state constitutions. And I, to me, at the base of all of this are deep sort of philosophical problems that, um, that are starting to come up because when you start to talk about, say, personhood, fetal personhood, when you ta even talk about the right to life, all these are understood entirely differently by pro-lifers and by pro-choicers. So I think there's sort of, we need to go kind of deeper in terms of our ideas and sort of, I think as a pro-life movement, change the way we talk so that we can really reach further. We need to build the bridge further um, to, to sort of get, get to them. And what is that discussion then? Is it one that starts with talking about maternal health, one that mm -hmm. talks about um, supporting uh, the family life through a uh, child welfare tax? Or what is it that would yeah. start off that, yeah. that, that, be that catalyst? Yeah, so I think the best, the single best thing we could do is start reframing how we talk, instead of talking about the right to life, to talk about duties of care. Mm -hmm. Because really, what we need to be doing is seeing that even the language of rights has been really... Um, kind of corrupted by a false understanding of rights as grounded in some sort of autonomy that doesn't really exist in any of us, right? We're entirely interdependent. We're always vulnerable from, you know, the beginning of our life to our, to, you know, to when we're elderly, but also all in between. We always need each other, right? And so rights and duties were understood prior to sort of the more contemporary view of them as, as very much correlative. And so I think we need to take that back by talking always about, instead of leading with right to life, leading with what are the duties we owe to the unborn child mm -hmm. as a human being? What are the duties we owe to the mom of that unborn child? What are the duties the father owes to those two, right? And then we can start by changing sort of the language. It helps us to then say, are there duties that as a community we owe this either, you know, the two, mother and child, or even the three of them, should there be poverty or that sort of thing? 
And I think once you start thinking as a community that we're all interdependent, that we all sort of need one another to flourish, then you can start saying, are there some type of um, you know, societal responses, especially when women are poor, especially um, in terms of healthcare and mm -hmm. those kinds of real serious, um, uh, you know, really kind of desperate um, maternal mortality rates still in our country, um, even though we're like one of the richest countries in the world, if not the richest. So I think when we think about those, just that it's not a mother and her child alone, these sort of autonomous beings, but that we're all deeply interconnected, which is, a, of course, deeply Catholic principle. Yes, that's right. Well, there are two other issues here. One is political with the um, the ballot initiatives that were lost, the slew of ballot initiatives that were a great disappointment. Um, just trying to figure out, is that about the type of conversation that we're having and the um, pro-life versus pro-abortion conversation? And then second to that is what you're seeing as, as the future going forward in terms of what policy should look like. So let's start with the failures, yeah, the right. losses that were so, so deeply felt by the pro-life movement. Yeah. Do you think that those losses came from a lack of understanding of the language we should use? Yeah. Well, first, you always see the pro-life movement being deeply underspent compared to the pro-choice movement, right? And I think there's a way in which, I mean, those people, all those people on the ground in those states, um, you know, the pro-lifers have to be deeply commended for the work that they did. But I think, yeah, we were on our heels, um, not so much in those states, but just as a pro-life movement. Like we've had our eyes on the prize of overturning Roe for so long that we've forgotten that there's all these people out there who now have the right to vote about abortion in their states who don't feel about the issue as we do. And so I think we do need to build bridges further to them. And it is further now because philosophically, we are world, like our worldviews apart. How should we be thinking about policy moving forward? Um, some candidates like to call uh, spending on the family entitlement programs. And mm. truly in a post-world world, are those entitlement programs or are mm. they necessary programs in order to sustain the future generations in a moment when birth rates are dropping right. dramatically in a country that should be fruitful? Yeah. Yeah, so I don't think that, um, making sure that those of us who have children, especially the poor, aren't um, uh, you know, financially disadvantaged by having children is an issue of charity. I actually think it's an issue of justice. And I think I recently wrote about sort of the analogy that's been used throughout our history in terms of thinking about social welfare with regard to the mother being analogized to the soldier and there's a way in which when the soldier, you know, gives themselves up at battle and comes back and needs help, we are give a whole panoply of help to the soldier, right? I mean, we should, the veterans, you know, they have our concern and we should, you know, retraining and all these sorts of things. So when a mother is sort of taken out of, <laughs> um, you know, being able to, to uh, go, you know, work for pay or at least for some time, right? And really needs to be thinking about and, and, and caring for her child. Why aren't there, why aren't we, thinking about the justice that is due, right? And certainly fathers are the first line of defense. There's no question about that. And so thinking seriously about fatherhood, as so many wonderful scholars are doing now, um, thinking about marriage and, and how important that is for channeling sexual activity um, and, and being responsible with that because of the possibility of creating a new vulnerable human being. All of that is important. I think there's ways of trying to hold men more accountable that we really need to be thinking about child support you know, prior to to birth and all that. Um, but are there ways in which we could think about, I mean, there's low hanging fruit. 
one of my big bugaboos is just-in-time scheduling, you know? So I know that sounds like really uh, <laughs> two in the weeds, but it's such a, every law should be, out, every state should be outlawing this. So this is like poor women, first of all, who sometimes are required to go back to work within two weeks mm -hmm. of having a baby. And then because of the kind of work schedules they have, they're not told in advance when they need to cobble together childcare for that child. And so it's called just-in-time scheduling, right? So we're sort of, you know, you don't even have, oh, you gotta be at work. This is totally unethical um, and should be sort of forbidden. And so those, um, those kind of low-hanging fruit, obviously flexibility in the workplace for all sorts of reasons. Um, obviously maternity, you know, maternity leave and, and provisions for, um, for taking time off and all that. And do I think there should be a family allowance? I think it should absolutely be debated, seriously. If it just comes in terms of, you know, um, tax deductions, bigger tax deductions, maybe that would be good. But I, I think there is a really serious conversation having, happening on the right. But I think we need to re kind of train ourselves to be thinking about these issues in terms of justice and not just welfare. That's beautiful. Great. Well, I'm so grateful for your time and for this conversation, Erica. Thank you for being with us and for your brave work. Thank you so much. That does it for this edition of EWTN Pro-Life Weekly. I'm Prudence Robertson. Don't forget you can find us at EWTN Pro-Life on all social media platforms. Twitter, now X, Facebook, Instagram, we're there. And if you're interested in more news from our nation and world, go to EWTN.com forward slash pro-life and sign up for our newsletter, The Pro-Life Pulse. Remember, life is a gift. Your life is a gift. God bless.